Now, if I said to you that uh, King Henry I of England was killed by ancient blood-sucking parasites, I would probably capture your attention. Uh, would I, however, be speaking the truth? The parasite in question, uh, well, it's not quite that. We'll come to this. Uh, we're talking here about the lamprey. It's a rather ugly, toothy eel-like, blood-sucking, fish kind of thing, we'll pop a picture of the creature in question on the blueprint page at the Radio National website for your edification. And it's a thing has been eaten since Roman times, still a delicacy in much of Europe. Uh, you can even find them in our very own Murray River here in Australia. But overconsumption of the lamprey may be an issue, and that may have done Henry I... Or did it? We will investigate with someone who has looked deeply into the, the monarch's diet. Judith Green is her name, Professor Emeritus at Edinburgh University's School of History, Classics and Archaeology. She joins us now. Judith, welcome. Thank you. The lamprey, curious beast. Could you give us a, a quick description? What are they? How old are they? What do they do? Well, they're very old. You'll understand that I'm a historian, so if I get the details wrong, you'll forgive me. Fish is not your they, strong suit. We understand that. Yeah. <laughs> they look like horrible eels with a sort of circular mouth with teeth in, and they're jawless, which is very interesting. And biologists get quite excited about this because they're extremely, it's an extremely old species, and there's a fossil being de- discovered recently in South Africa, over 360 million years old. So that puts them before the dinosaurs. So they really are a very ancient type of uh, fish. And they are technically vertebrates, but they don't have a spine. They have sort of cartilage. So that's what they are. And they look pretty horrid. It appears, though, to be a, a recipe for evolutionary success. That's an extraordinary track record. Yes, indeed. And there are learned articles about how they got from there to sort of here and and escaped what happened to the dinosaurs and so on, and and how the different species, including the ones in the Murray River, evolved to take advantage of different situations. And that word, lamprey, what's the origin of that? It's not terribly clear. The usual explanation is that it comes from the Latin lambere to lick and petra, a stone. But it came into English through Old French. And the Latin word actually is neither of those. It's it's um, morena. And that's how it's usually translated, as indeed in the account of Henry I's death. Well, let's jump to Henry I, the son of William I, William the Conqueror. What else do we know about Henry I? He had more illegitimate children acknowledged than any other king of England. Good Lord. Uh, More than Charles II, over 20. He reunited England and Normandy, which his elder brother, Robert, had taken Normandy. But Henry defeated him in battle and put him in prison for the rest of his life. He integrated the north of England, where the Normans were still very thin on the ground, into the rest of the kingdom. And he was called a lion of justice because of his very firm, not to say savage rule. He became king, what, about 1100? Is that? Yep, that was, he just happened to be in the New Forest when his elder brother, William Rufus, got shot by an arrow in the hunting accident. So Henry just happened to be there and rode quickly off to secure the treasure and then went to London and got crowned. Are you suggesting foul play? 
Some historians do believe that it was foul play. He certainly was the person who benefited because the eldest of the three brothers, Robert, who was the Duke of Normandy, was coming back from the crusade and Henry didn't wait around for his brother to reappear. (laughs) We have someone with who who is... um how can I phrase this? You, you, his illegitimate children suggest a certain line of interests. He is someone who, nonetheless, is a a thoughtful and creative monarch, albeit one with certain desperation for power. But we also yeah. know a little bit about his predilections in terms of food, including the lamprey. What do we know here? This is a story which only appears in one chronicler, and I went back and looked at the chronicler just the other day. And this is a chronicler who probably was right that Henry loved lampreys because people did like them, including kings and queens. And we know this from their records. What is less certain is that that's what he died of, because this is the chronicler who wrote about Canute and the waves. It's a good story, basically, I think. (laughs) Okay. Well, how does the story go in, in, in the chronicler's terms? The king was staying in Normandy. And had fallen out with his daughter, the Empress, and his son-in-law over castles in Normandy. Basically, they wanted to get hold of the castles. And I think Henry I was hoping to live long enough so that his grandson would be able to take over. So he went hunting in the forest of Lyon-le-Forêt, and he caught some kind of chill, came back from hunting and his doctor said, no, you mustn't have lampreys. And he said, oh, no, I'm going to have them. And so he became very violently ill and died very fast, as as people usually did in those days. They didn't hang around. So, I mean, there are alternative possibilities, I guess, are there not? I mean, the chill, whether there was a problem in in the preparation of the lamprey may have been a, a, a really nasty food poisoning, perhaps. Exactly. And how do you tell kings that they can't have a second helping of their favourite dish? <laughs> I, you know, I shall it's very have lamprey. Of course, I just... <laughs> It's like having a dodgy oyster, isn't it? You take the risk. How were lampreys prepared at that point? What, what, what was the most common way of consuming the blood-sucking parasite of which we speak? Later medieval cookbooks, there aren't really any for as early as this, but the famous dish is a pie. You put them in a pie, and I, I believe a pie was sent to Queen Elizabeth II when she was crowned in 1953. Oh. But you can stew them and you can grill them, and in parts of Europe they are still eaten. I believe that the city of Gloucester gives the monarch a lamprey pie every Christmas. Pie. Indeed. Yes, uh, it's, it's traditional... Render. And one of the interesting things about Doomsday Book is that a lot of people were paying their rents in eels, not necessarily lampreys, but they were paying them in eels, thousands and thousands of eels. That'll never catch on. (laughs) (laughs) June, have you ever, I have to ask this, have you ever eaten lamprey? Never eaten lampreys, but I lived for many years in Northern Ireland and Loch Ney has both lampreys and eels. And I've certainly had smoked eel from Loch Ney. I think they throw the lampreys back. I don't think they uh, <laughs> smoke the lampreys. And I, it was not something I ever did again. I just tried it once. <laughs> what, what do we know of that? I mean, what, what is written about the, the taste of the lamprey? I think it's a very rich taste by what I've read. I mean, I think it's a cross between fishy and meat. 
So a sort of stronger than an, an ordinary eel taste. But of course, eels, until recently, uh, were very commonly eaten, and they're still they're still jelly eels are still eaten, uh, particularly in London. But I think a lot of the ones from Loch Ness go to Europe. They're just shipped straight out. The eel is, of course, a remarkable creature for its um, peregrinations. Its migratory habits are extraordinary. Do, do the lampreys likewise travel vast distances? I don't know about the distances, but they, they do move, don't they, from uh, seawater to freshwater. Uh-huh. And different species are found in freshwater than the marine ones. And they go into, I was reading about this, they go into the sand and an old way of getting catching lampreys was to stamp. So you stamped on the sand and the, and the, and the lampreys came out when you caught them. <laughs> What a wonderful world it is where you can stab on the beach and produce little blood-sucking eels. (laughs) Now, okay, so what we know then about Henry I potentially is that at the very least lamprey was the last meal, you know, whether that was the critical thing. Because do we know that an overconsumption of the lamprey can be injurious? Well, Henry was in his late... 60s by this time, and he had been actually remarkably healthy. The only time he's known to have been ill was Christmas 1132, and we don't know what that was about. So he had had a good innings, and it probably wouldn't have taken a great deal to carry him off. So 11, um, 1135 is the yeah is his year of death. What, it is. What, what a wonderful piece of conjecture. Is, is he the only known British monarch to have had a, a food-related end? No, there was a book about 100 years ago called 1066 and all that. Henry I died of a surfeit of lampreys and King John died of a surfeit of peaches. So that was the story about King John. Is that true? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Anything beyond about 1150 and it's it's journalism as far as I'm concerned. Well, well, Judith, thank you. We, we're glad that Henry fell within your period, and we, we, we've all learned a little here, <laughs> not perhaps with certainty about circumstances of his death, but certainly about the lamprey. And in a moment, yeah. we will consider how they might best be cooked. But, Judith, for your assistance, thank you so much. Thank you. Judith Green's a Professor Emeritus of Medieval History at the University of Edinburgh. Now, a dish of lampreys? Well, I suggest first catch your lamprey. A little word of warning here, we're about to hear a recipe for lamprey, which for the slightly squeamish or or the less meat-eating inclined could be a tad confronting, so just to bear that in mind. Carlos Afonso is a Portuguese chef and restaurateur, a man who knows his lampreys. Carlos, hello. Hi, Jonathan. Tell us about your connection to lamprey. And about lamprey, so it's very typical from my area. I'm from south of Portugal, but we eat in all countries. So Portugal, it's west, it's west for Atlantic. So half of our coast, it's west. We have a lot of rivers. And this time of the year, the lampreys, they came from the deeps uh, in the ocean and they start to crossing for do the put the eggs and do the reproductions. So... We have a long, long, long tradition uh, tradition mm. for catch them alive, and we prepare uh, a lot of dish. One of the most famous, it's arroz, the cabidela. So it means like uh, rice, 
like uh, something like uh, how I can explain to in rice like uh, s something similar to risotto. Yep. That we use the blood of the lamp the lamprey and we cook them all. So the lamprey. So you, you use the use the blood to cook the rice. Yes, we use the blood and the red wine, to, uh, parsley, onions, garlic, laurel, um, bay leaves, and black pepper. Yep. And uh, we do a, like a short marinade, like 10, 12 hours uh, from the night to the day, and then we prepare them. So it's in, in the, the temp, so it's people drive from the north to the south from the countryside to the west coast to try the lamprey it's like oh, wow. something yeah for me i'm a i love it so uh, you you've, you've you've cooked you've cooked the rice but the, the lamprey itself how, how does that is that cooked in that as like a a meat in a risotto or how what's what's the process for yeah the, the, the process so the, the first step uh, it's how you prepare the proper lamprey. Mm -hmm. So the fishermen, the, the lamprey have to be alive. So they have to catch them in the river, bring to some aquarius and bring to the, and after that, bring to the restaurants. Yep. So in the restaurant, we receive them alive and very fresh. And if you see the mouth of the lamprey, they have um, a lot of teeth in the round mouth. So we put in that part, it's something like our value or something. We put uh, some net and we put them from the head to the tail and start to, we can do in two ways. We can remove the skin. It's a very, very thing. It's very sensitive, sensible thing to do because mm -hmm. you have to do it when the animal is alive. Why? Because we want the blood. So when you remove the, the skin, the animal is still alive. So it's a very, if you are sensitive with animals and everything, it's very difficult. It's not, it's very <laughs> difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, otherwise you can put some, uh, some hot water, boiled water. Um, then the, the water, the boiled water, uh, start to cooking some the, the skin and you remove the first skin mm -hmm. with the with the the help of the the kitchen towel or something uh it's the, the two ways how how prepared then you have to put them with the head up the tail down and start to cutting from the on the belly open all the belly with very very careful because they have a, a vein with a lot of uh, what with a stomach yeah and you, you cannot uh, this vein cannot explode in the liquid inside have to be there ah you, you need to remove that with care yes 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 then you cut everything in a in a slices with a, through two or three fingers uh, and start to doing the marinade. The head normally you don't use for the the rice, only the the, mm -hmm. the, the, the tail until the head. When the starts the the holes in the head, we keep the head and the people. Normally the fishermen like to grill the head and eat without the girls and everything. Um, Very crunchy. So, <laughs> yes, yes. I'll fry. We we eat in a lot of ways. So for the rice, then you cut in slices like uh, two 
two fingers thickness. Um, then you, you prepare a marinade with red wine, a bit of vinegar uh, because of the blood and everything. Uh, for not coagulate, the vinegar helps. Uh, okay. You put you put the red wine, the onion, red wine, parsley, peppers, bay leaf, and uh, let them marinate it for 10, 12 hours. Then you start cooking the rice. How you do the, the rice? Then you chop the uh, onion. You you just start to fry a bit in uh, olive oil. In Portugal, we use olive oil for everything. <laughs> put a, a pinch of uh, garlic. Then you start to cooking the rice. The type of rice we use, it's called carolino. Uh-huh, yep. Carolino, it's a type of rice... Uh, uh, similar to carnaroli or bomba, mm. but Portuguese rice with very small grain with a lot of uh, starch. We start to cook it. We fry the, the rice a little bit. Then we start to putting the marinade in the rice. So they get the grain start to absorb the, the, the flavors in the marinade and the alcohol goes out and stay the, the flavor. Then we put a, a little bit of uh, uh, vegetable stock or uh, some lightly, lightly fish stock. You put, you cook the rice. In uh, normally the Carolino steals, I don't know, uh, 10, 12 minutes to cook. Mm-hmm. And in the last five minutes, you put the lamprey inside with the eggs and everything. You involved chopped uh, fresh uh, parsley. You put salt, pepper. Vinegar, it's very important you put vinegar because they, they have a little bit of fat and gelatin in the lamprey. So the vinegar uh, cuts everything and you put, and you put the, um, the, the parsley chopped, involved everything. And I swear it's a, a, a dish that you eat and you sweat <laughs> on the, on your, on your, on your face starts wet because it's very, 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 very strong. Tell very me, the, strong. De- describe for me the taste. The taste, uh, you feel a lot of vinegar. It's very important. The vinegar balance the fatness and the strong flavor of the lamprey. Uh, you feel the bit of the, 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 the red wine. The color of the rice starts to be brown because you cook the, the blood. Um, and you have the freshness of mm. the, the parsley chopped. So it's not fishy. The texture of lamprey is not fishy. It's like of, uh, you already eat ray. You know, ray, you are certainly, you eat ray. It's like a shark. Okay. Okay. You, the shark doesn't have bo- proper bone, a little bit of, uh, Cartilage, yeah. so it's th- that part with a lot of collagen and everything. So the rice gets very like a risotto, but uh, with a texture with a lot of collagen, like a glass or something. Mm-hmm. And you eat there with the yeah. You th- then you eat and drink a very red wine or a very very nice uh, white wine with oak. And I've, I swear you, I eat only one or two times a, a year because it's very it's a special thing. <laughs> it's a special thing. What, it's what, very what, expensive what, also in Portugal. What do you call that dish? Uh, arroz de lampreia. Risotto of lampreia. I don't like the, the word risotto because risotto, it's a, it's a traditional dish in Italy. It's risotto. Mm. But in Portugal, we eat a lot of rice. 
we have a lot of rice. We are a, a, a special country that have amazing dish with rice. And uh, we call this, in Portuguese, it's arroz malandrinho lampreia. It sounds an extraordinary dish, Carlos. Thank you so much for, for describing that wonderful recipe. Yes, um, thank you for, for, for the invitation. It's, uh, I invite you when you are around Portugal, uh, you can go to Oito, my restaurant, if you're booking or send me a message. And uh, Carlos, I want to try Lamprio. It has to be January to March because it's a small, it's a a small, small season. season. Yes. Carlos, thank you. Uh, that was Portuguese chef Carlos Afonso.